everyone, welcome everybody to another episode of Mishra's Bubble. My name is Francisco, and with me are the best co-hosts in the MTG podcast business. That is, you know it, Everos in Spider Space, aka Evan and Gabe. How are you guys doing? We got our real names. Yeah, this is, you, you got that intro down. And I, you know what, you know what, I actually have a story for for you guys and the podcast before we we dive into the like actual elements of magic. So, I was late night playing some dumb brew like I do from time to time. And I played against someone who you know, they did the clat like, you know, the thing that we as content creators love so much. And th- that's not sarcasm of like they're like, "Hey, the spider, like I really love your stuff. Really appreciate it." Well, thank you, you know. Um and he said that, it, or this person said that they really liked my appearance on Midweek Metagame. And I was like, oh, you know, like, I, I have a podcast as well. Like, I'm on a podcast as well. And, you know, so I told them what it was. But I somehow mixed it up in my, like, I, I messed it up after they were like, so are, are you on Mishra's Babble? And I was like, no, it's Mishra's Bobble. And I'm like, no, it's not like, because I'm expecting them to mess it up. And like, Fran has an accent. So every time he's like, Mishra's Babble. And it's like, is it Bobble? Is it Babble? Like, I can't tell. Like, And and so I just like, th- I was thinking about that. And then I was like, no, no, no. It's Bobble. And I'm like, no, it's Babble. I'm sorry. I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> the accent is the joke, man. Why do you think I'm the one doing the presentation? <laughs> <laughs> so that thank you for that. That, that. that just that allowed me to look like an idiot, which I know like that that's all of our goals with each other at all times, isn't it? At all times, yes. Yeah. So that okay. we call that a win. <laughs> Self five. All right. We got uh, some things to discuss today, but we are going to change dynamics a little bit. This is going to be more of a freeform episode. Um a little bit more uh, ethereal than than we're often used to because that's kind of what modern feels like right now. Ethereal is is a word I would use to describe it. Uh, it kind of feels like we have some we have some specific decks that are dominating. Obviously, uh, it it only takes looking at one of, you know, th- these weekend's results and just see four colors all over the place. <laughs> the, the, this your young guy um Apparently, it's been allowed to continue to be a companion, and now that Lurus is not there, it's just like, oh, look, a Yurian deck. Oh, look, another Yurian deck. So, the only big reason keeping these Yurians from not only dominating the competitive events, uh, but also the leagues, is its price tag. So, if we ever have, uh, like, maybe this weekend, for example, if we ever have, like, a free pass available... I wonder what leagues are going to look like. <laughs> yeah, we we were talking about that before. Um, you know, the, the the deck is really expensive. It is a lot more expensive than most of the format. Um, I think the paper price, I want to say, it might be the online price. Um, actually, I've got it right here. Uh, the online price is about 1,800 tickets. In the paper price is around twenty five hundred dollars, um, and uh, you know, Spider and I were mentioning earlier that we're both enfranchised players. We both have pretty sizable um, Magic Online accounts, and on top of that, we both have pretty sizable rental limits as well. 
And neither of us can rent this deck. <laughs> neither of us can play this deck. So, with this free pass thing coming out, it'll, it'll be interesting to see exactly how much that cost is the barrier. How much that is actually preventing people from playing it, if, if that's the reason people aren't playing it. Um, my prediction is that yes, I, I, I think that that is the key factor here. But this will be a good opportunity to see. So just a little background for folks. We keep mentioning all access. So at time of recording this episode, it's uh, March 22nd. It's Tuesday. Uh, so tomorrow, I believe, MTGO will go live with this uh, all access pass that you can buy in the shop. I believe it's like 25 tickets to buy one of these tokens, which gets you all access for, I think it's like a week, week and a half or something. It's about two weeks. Um, yeah. Two weeks, maybe. And if you buy two of them, then you can use those as an alternative way to get into one of the events that's in that time period. I believe they're a bunch of PTQs or showcases. Basically, there's a whole bunch of MTGO events. And if you buy one of these, you have an all-access pass. So this is not specific to modern. This is just you can access anything. Um, and so with that in mind, we have this deck that has a super high price tag that maybe a lot of people can't play. And, you know, even if they weren't that high on playing it, basically, if anyone is going to get that all-access pass, I think this is the deck that people will want to try, right? Like, we have other very good decks in the format. We have Blue-Red Murktide. We have Hammer. Like, Blue-White Control is pretty good. Things like this. Those decks aren't necessarily cheap, but in comparison, price-wise, it's night and day. Yeah, it's literally more than half than every other modern <laughs> deck so uh, the, the the difference in prices is particularly important because it's just playing all of the broken cards like in the past it was a matter of you know the the four color deck is playing yurion so at least you don't have to buy monkeys you know and uh, that's not the case anymore because it's actually playing four copies of monkey then at one point it was like yeah sure you have ren and sixes but at least you don't have to buy endurance well not anymore. Now Endurance is also a 4-off in the deck. Uh, now, what's the latest, most expensive possible card? Boseju. Yes, we're playing 4 copies of Boseju as well. So, it just keeps it just keeps going higher and higher and higher up. I and, mean, uh, it, it makes sense, right? The, the nature of the deck is we have access to most colors of mana, and it is not necessarily a synergistic pile. It is just raw power level pile. The cards that are going to be the most expensive are going to be the cards that are on raw power level good because they're going to fit in the most strategies, whereas more synergistic cards are only going to fit into certain decks, so less people are going to need them. These are just all of the cards that overlap with like a million other decks in the format, so they have really high demand, so anything making into this deck is just the best of the best of raw power. So it's, it, it's just like everything's going to be expensive. Like there's just not going to be an inexpensive card in this deck. Um, you know, other than comms and uncommons or whatever. It's just everything that has a high, high demand with it. It's really interesting to see the evolution of the deck, right? Like if you will remember how this deck was when it just started, maybe it feels like forever ago. I don't even, I don't even know what it was, but 
this started as an ephemerate deck. Like, remember the whole uh, ephemerate with eternal eternal witness, and you had, you know, your your value that you could get there. You would blink your ice fang quaddles. Uh, you would get some value here and there, and then you would play Yorion, and then you would draw like eight cards or something like that. Um, that's not how this deck works anymore. Now this deck is just less about synergy. And like we're, we're not even messing around with some of those cards. Like Ephemerate, that's a card that was like a ten or a one. Like and it was it was basically never middle middle ground with Ephemerate. You either had an Eternal Witness and it was just literally going infinite, or we don't have a creature in play and you have a dead card staring at you from your hand. Like we're just not messing around with that anymore. Like we're we're not trying to get cute with little combos and like throwing in there this one of time warp so I can ultimate my Ren and then go infinite with time no, 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 we're just not messing around with that. What are the good cards? Monkey, four of those. Ren and six, four of those. Omnath, four of those. Solitude, four of those. Like all of the, it just feels like it's just more and more the good expensive cards and less and less trying to have a cohesive plan together. So it's just a bunch of busted cards thrown together. That's just how at least the best performing decks look right now. Um, and I have I have a list in front of me, which is, it looks fairly stock. And it actually has picked up a couple of new toys from, from the new asset, from Neon, Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. So uh, we have, you know, like your Ragavans, four Ragavans, four uh, Omnath, three Fury, four Solitude. That's a creature, that's a creature suite right there. Then we have four Rens, four Teferi, two Jace to my Sculptor. That's your Planeswalker suite. Sometimes you have Jace, sometimes you will have something like uh, the five mana Teferi. Um, so you you will have uh, things like that going on. Like that's probably one of the more uh, flexible, I would say. Um, one of the most flexible slots that, you know, everybody has like their own little spice that they will add there. And then we have the removal suite because this deck is obviously plagued, plagued with removal. So we have Bolt, March of Other World Light, which is the, the brand new edition from Neon Dynasty, this card truly has has shown up to stay. It, it really has come to stay. Like this card uh, has looked very, very impressive every time I saw it in play. Um, just having access to to a way to destroy Saga for one mana is in game one is just absolutely outstanding. Being able to kill uh, kind of anything that you want besides Planeswalkers. Uh, that's that's the only downside uh, when comparing it to, to Prismatic Ending, but it does have the upside of being able to kill uh, your, you know, Anigmoth Nexus that's wearing a hammer. Like, you just just don't care about that hammer. You just point it at the Anigmoth Nexus and it's gone forever. You don't have to worry about it anymore. <laughs> I was going to say, just real quick, small interrupt. Uh, Spider and I were recently playing a league, and we had an opponent playing hissing quagmire and uh shambling vents and having your opponent put that much mana to animate a man land and attack you and you go one mana exile it it's strip mining you all your mana's gone it's nasty dude <laughs> like hitting man lands with that card is just egregious <laughs> like it, it is it's the best feeling Ink Moth is certainly the one you, you're seeing most often. You know, sometimes it's a, a Hall of Storm Giants or Celestial Colonnade or whatever. But man, that that has been like such an important mode. The fact that this one can catch lands feels so good. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. And and I feel like that's something that we grossly overlooked when when doing like the the set review for for Neon Dynasty. Like I, I honestly just 
sort of assumed that it was going to be like prismatic ending and it would not hit lands. I didn't even think about the fact that it was going to hit man lands as well. And I feel like that is exactly what makes the card as good as it is. So, uh, whoops on us, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> we literally overlooked the most important part of the card, but don't worry about it. It's fine. We got some other things right, at least. Um, anyway, and then we also have, you know, your expressive iteration and then... Then you have Abundant Growth, Spreading Seas. These are like the cards that you play because you're playing a Yorion in the sideboard and you need to, you know, fix your mana things to Abundant Growth and then Spreading Seas is just a way to mess around with your opponent's sagas or like Ursa's Tower or whatever, uh, while at the same time making sure that you can get some value from Yorion uh, afterwards. Then there, there are some decks that are playing, you know, counter spells. Some decks are not playing counter spell. They're playing stuff like Iladamri Skull and uh, something that we actually saw this past weekend, which is very, very interesting, is uh, some Elementals version of uh, the Yurion deck. And this deck is a lot more reminiscent of the stuff that we've seen in the past. Uh, where we actually have access to ephemerate and, and things like that. So we're trying to play a little bit more of a creature game as opposed to, to a value-oriented game. Um, but you still have sort of the same the same game plan. Like all of these all of these decks kind of have the same avenue to victory, which is just make sure that every single card in your deck is a two for one or better. <laughs> and then go from there. <laughs> so um, that's the strategy. Uh, these decks are extremely, extremely good at executing that strategy. Yeah, I just wanted to mention a couple of the other flex slots. Like you'll occasionally see, like your Oath of Nissa, um, as Fran mentioned, Eladonri's Call. I've seen some more controllish builds that also played Archmage's Charm. Uh, there was a really cool 5-0 a little while ago that had Karth in it that I know Evan and I both messed around with. I honestly think creativity is kind of in that same ballpark of just like five-color goodies. You know, obviously lose um, Yorion and then you're playing a combo-y thing. But, um, you know, there, there's a lot of like basically worse versions of this. And I, I would even <laughs> maybe put blue-white into there. And obviously there, there's some nuance to this. Um, but the crazy thing about this deck is most of your cards are extremely powerful individually. And if you ever feel like, Hey, I'm having trouble with X matchup, you, you can just add whatever it is and it seems like you can beat it. Right. Um, so, you know, you might think that it used to be the case that this deck was really bad into Belcher, for instance, right? Um, because, you know, it could quickly Blood Moon you, and then it would just, like, combo you, and it's like, well, you don't have counter spells or you don't have that many of them, whatever, right? Well, now, maybe they are playing some counter spells. Uh, your Abundant Growths make it so Blood Moon isn't even that good against this deck. And then, oh, by the way, I'm playing for Baseju, which happens to blow up every permanent from Belcher, and they get nothing, right? So it's just like, oh, by the way, haha, gotcha. Um... Likewise, you know, this would be a similar thing against like Tron or any kind of those like degenerate strategies that are going to rely on lands. Um, I think Spreading Sea is a little bit worse against Amulet, but you can, it, it's still not totally dead. Um, so, I mean, th this deck really does have it all. And you'll, you'll often see people ask like, man, what, what card is just a slam dunk? Um, I, I think the biggest winners that you hear are typically Turok because a lot of their removal is white based. Um, you will also hear the occasional boil. I don't, I don't, I don't know if I'm sold on that one. I think this deck 
has plenty of non-islands and you're playing Ren anyways. Like, eh, I don't know. Um, I think Gothic Teague is pretty reasonable against this deck because it hits March and Prismatic. And if they're on Verdict, it stops that, stops your Jaces, right? Um, but of course, it still just gets bolted or solitated or furied. So there, there really doesn't appear to be just a single, here's the answer. I think you can try to play archetypes that beat it. Um, but then you run into the problem I already described of, well, if four color hedges to try to beat you, are you still beating them? Right. So that would be the case with Belcher. Like maybe burn might be favored against them. But if there's too much burn, maybe they just put four blossoming calm in their sideboard. Right. Yeah. And, and that's a, that's a great place to, to go right now. Okay. So we talked a little bit about, you know, the, the card choices that it has, like the main core strategy, which is, you know, fairly straightforward. It's, it's just a mid range deck. Sure. You can tune it to be a little bit more like a control deck, but really this is, this is just a tap out mid range deck. Like we're, we're not really super interested in holding up mana, uh, unless you build your entire deck towards that. So, how do we beat a strategy like this, right? Like the the whole this this brings me back to to the days of um, you know like John back in the death death right days or whatever, where the biggest thing about John is like you can't really attack it. Like it's just a solid mid range deck, and like sure you can have your resting piece or whatever, but then John's playing like a bunch of abrupt decays, so it doesn't even care that much about about that. And then they're also playing Bob, so. Yes, Th- these were real threats back in the day. Like this is, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you're probably listening to me. And you're like, wait, those cards are unplayable. Yes, yes, they are. But back in the day, they were like absolute bangers, right? So that was kind of the strength. It's like a deck like this is really, really hard to hate out. Like the, you, you don't it, it, amulet becomes good. You play Ashiok and Blood Moons. End. End of the story. Like you're just gonna win now. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't do that kind of stuff against against this deck because. What are you supposed to play? Uh, are you supposed to play stuff that, you know, counterspells? Where, like, you're just going to have so many counterspells and, like, every single spell that they play needs to be countered. Otherwise, it's just going to take the the game by itself. It's just going to take the uh, take over the game. Like, even Ren, right? Like, even, like you, their two drops are literally game winning. <laughs> just... And if they ever, like... Veil of Summer through a Teferi, you then lose the game. <laughs> exactly. So it, it's just so hard to find to find a window, right? Or, or like to to have enough stuff to stop them from having enough stuff, if if that makes sense. And then like once you're done, they still have Yorion, and then Yorion comes down. It's a form a five mana four five flyer ancestral recall at the worst. And you're, like, what am I supposed to do? So. What are the, not cards, but strategies that we can use to, to, to try to, 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 to fight this, this menace? Yeah, so I think there's a couple that are close. I, I think Blue-Red Murktide against Four Color is close. I don't think it's necessarily hugely favored either direction. I think both deg- decks can do some hedging. Um, but I, I've heard that people say four color is favored. I, I think it's very close to 50, 50. I'm, I'm, I'm curious what, what you guys think. I, I think that matchup is real player draw dependent. I mean, a lot of them are. A lot of them are. And I, th- I think that's an example of one that really is like, I don't know. The, I, I think it is close. I think the four color deck can just bury the Murktide deck. Um, 
an advantage and it's it's you know if it has to two for one itself a couple of times to answer your threats by solitude or merc side or fury or whatever and sometimes they catch two of your threats with fury or whatever um it, I, I don't know I, I i think i would would give the edge to four color but maybe it's not as bad as as i hear people say it is yeah i, I think it people overblow that one a little bit i i honestly wouldn't be surprised if it's a little bit similar with hammer where if hammer's on the play they have a good hand you don't have quite the right thing they're just going to get you i think it's maybe a little worse um in into four color than than blue red is just because they're already very prepared for it specifically and like okay i'm going to be running sideboard uh you know force of vigor right uh sideboard ee more basajus all of these kind of things um so i i think blue red's a little bit better into it but i, I wouldn't say it's like a slam dunk by any means um i mentioned belcher already i i think that one used to be the four color killer i think it's probably still good against you but i, I don't think it's as good as it was, you know, I'm uh, the, the list that Fran had pulled up, for instance, had four sideboard force of negation. And I'm sure that would help a lot there as well. Um, I, I do. I, I mentioned burn as well already. I think burn is supposed to be okay into it. I don't think it's a slam dunk. If they're ready for you, I don't think you're going to beat it. Um, honestly, the, the, the best one in my mind right now isn't, it isn't any of those. It isn't Tron, which people say a lot as well. I'm really not sold on that one with Biseju and four spreading seas. I, I actually might be leaning towards Yawgmoth at the moment as being one of the better on meta decks that can actually beat this. What What's your guys' take on that? I agree. I figured that was the one you were going to say. Um, I, I was thinking the same thing. Like, you just have that combo kill that, that's very solid. They do have, uh, you know, one of the... <laughs> you and I recently played uh, quite a bit of Yawgmoth, and um, we were talking about how, especially with like blue white, you know, having all that, that exiling removal can be kind of frustrating and four color does have access to all that same removal. They're doing all that same thing. Um, and yet like the matchup still felt fine. You know, that would be kind of a weakness I would say is the, is the fact your strangle roots, your, your kind of fair beatdown plan doesn't feel as good against a deck that can take your undying creatures and make them actually just just ignore the undying mechanic you know um but i don't know i i think being able to attack at two angles at once whether it's the you know you have the combo out or just the the normal pressure it it, it feels fine it feels like it could be a good option but uh, they, their removal suite is still really good into yeah you're you're not going to be good. guaranteed like i wouldn't I make mean, fury put it just, as ugh better than 60% ever, right? You're, you're just never going to get better than that. And I, that might even be a little bit generous. I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I like looking at this, I'm like, like, what if I played four color, but main decked an Emrakul the promised end, right? Like th <laughs> that, that, I think that's where people are going to end up going. I think I've, I've seen that already. So <laughs> people are already going there. <laughs> the, the good thing about that, though, is the moment you start saying, okay, I'm going to put main board Emrakul the promised end, the less prepared you're going to be able to be for those decks like Burn, Tron belcher etc like you can only hedge the deck so much in one direction or another yes you have a lot of rooms and 80 cards you still have to draw the relevant cards yeah one, one deck that i'm i'm kind of interested in is dredge 
kind of good against for color like it feels like they're gonna struggle to find their graveyard hate and they don't actually have that much graveyard hate to begin with for now they can just start playing endurance and then it's just like all right <laughs> well but they, they only have access to four copies of endurance and they only have access to so much time and i think that's the key thing that that that, that and why I, I mentioned specifically something like dredge as opposed to something like reanimator right so um dredge goes wide and these decks are not playing any sweepers right now. So, sure, anger of the gods can be can be a card. All of a sudden, that makes a, that has a return. But it feels like if you're trying to expect, if you're going to expect a lot of four color decks, maybe as long as the decks are built like they are built currently, which is it just feels like everybody's just trying to out mid range each other. What you can do is you can just play the actual mid range killer that it just feels like is the hardest one to hate. So. If it were, I'm thinking about something like Dredge, potentially something like Living End. Living End also strikes me as a deck that can can go way, way over the top of what the what the the, the four color player is doing. And Living End also has other tools, which is you know not only force of negation but also subtlety. So if your opponent wants to ah ha got you with this endurance, you can always you know subtlety the endurance for free and then kind of take it from there. So. It's kind of interesting to to see what what are the the actual weakness points that the, the this constant arm race to out mid range each other. What are the holes that it opens up for for other other decks to kind of prey on? Well, it's interesting because that's that's what Spider was saying was that man, if something like that pops up, it it is probably very easy for these decks to just adjust like. It, they have access to all the colors. It's just so easy for this deck to adjust to a meta like that. Like you were saying, both those decks you name, I I guarantee you they slap four endurance somewhere in the seventy five, and those matchups are just not nearly as much of a problem. You know, um, it, it it just feels like as long as you're respecting the right decks, that it's one of those decks that can kind of just be ready for whatever. You know, they, they can do more than that. Like if you're really working, you just like, f if you really wanted to, you could do four rip, four endurance, right? Like I, I know that, that that's a little bit hyperbole, but I, I, it really feels like anything is beatable with this deck. But to Fran's point, if you pick your spot, you see what the decks are looking like for a weekend. You you can definitely spike a tournament. You can like, Oh, they're not ready for burn. Oop, they're not ready for dredge. Right. Um, but I don't know, you know, I probably then wouldn't play Dredge in the next tournament, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. You want to be doing the, the whole, you know, Dredge song and dance, except that now you're you're targeting it at specific deck, I guess. Um, and also, you know, Dredge has, an, has other problems, right? Like, it can never in a million years beat Amulet, and, you know, there, there's certain decks that Dredge just really, really, really struggles against by design they're actually just cards that he's that dredge struggles against like it play play a sanctifier and the game ends immediately so with with that in mind obviously you know i, w I wouldn't say me i will pick up dredge this weekend and all of a sudden just do well but what i'm saying is sodek picks up I, it wouldn't surprise me to see sodek top eight this weekend's challenge you know what i'm saying like, that's that that's what I, what I mean it's like if if you are competent with a deck and you know how to sideboard and you know how to uh, fight against its weaknesses and like you i think it's it, it would be a good time to to 
make your shot, you know, like make your shot right now. It feels like these decks are really, really focused on uh, outgrinding each other and they are foregoing uh, another angle of the format, which is the the unfair, the, the go-over-the-top angle, particularly when it comes to, to Graveyard, I, I would say. Like, they're playing four copies of Endurance, and that's it. They're Sometimes they're playing, like, one or two Sanctifiers, and that's it. And and the, and again, like what I'm what I'm I want to really hammer home is the fact that I'm talking about decks that don't give you the time. Like Reanimator is a deck that we're looking at very specific cards and it gives you two turns. But like more often than not, you're they're not going to have exactly the combo on turn two or turn three. So you're going to be playing a longer game. The longer of the game that you play the better it gets for the control deck because uh, for the four color deck because they're going to have more time to find those cards that get you. Dredge doesn't do that. Like you need the graveyard hate by turn 2 because otherwise you're just going to be facing, you know, two price amalgams like three narc amoebas and like a bunch of the other dude like the three one dude that I don't I don't know the name. So because of that I think that it's very very important to make sure that you're putting your opponents on a very very uh, quick uh, and, and very significant clock in a way that they're not ready they're not ready to uh, to answer because again like using reanimator as, as an example sure they you know they get like a two for one and they solid to your thing and that's it you know what I'm saying or uh, they just move on and they they have so many two for ones sure like you got like the Archon resolves they get a three for one best case scenario they also two for one themselves uh, with the solitude but at that point you don't like you have to assemble your entire combo again like you don't get access to it's not like they terminate it and you just find the persist and you you get your your reanimated thing back no you're just you're just going to need to find another way to put the archon in the graveyard and then another reanimation spell so at that point you're giving the four color control deck a, a way to come to crawl back into the game um if you know their sweeper is fury. Like if you fury some amalgams, they're 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 coming back next turn. You know, buddy, they're they're just they're not gonna stay dead for too long. So, I I think it, it's kind of interesting. But I'm looking at you know the, what are the current decks that are a best position in in the tournament in in the in the format, and that is far and away the the deck that is calling my attention the most. Just uh, dredge looks like it's it's really well well positioned against these these four color decks. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Um, it, it is really interesting how dredge and four color control could not be more different, right? Like we just went on this whole thing, like oh, it's like super hard to hate out four color, super easy to hate out dredge, right? Like it it it's exactly the opposite, where it's like, all right, I'm gonna spike this thing, and then I'm. I'm out of here. Whereas four colors, like I'm king of the hill. Oh, you got me off for a second. I'm I'm gonna change my tune. Still king of the hill, right? Um, so that that that's good for those weekends. It's maybe not super telling for the format at large. Of like, okay, like are we just gonna see four colors slowly change its sideboard every weekend, and then a different deck beats it for a moment, and then they just shift it again? Like maybe, maybe not. Um, I don't know, like, you're talking about how, like, they play turn two Ren and they run away with the game. If you, if, if you can't answer it, they play turn one Monkey, they run away with the game if you can't answer it. Like, the, the, the deck just, frankly, even the raw power level part of it can can even still sometimes beat those decks, which is somewhat concerning of, you know, 
if I'm on four color and I go turn one Ragavan and, you know, I'm on the play, like, honestly, I might be able to beat Dredge from there of like, okay, like maybe I have my counter spell for your cathartic or, you know, I'm signing into force of negation or, you know, these kind of things like your, your raw power can still be enough. Will it likely be it? No, you, you, you need, you need some targeted hate. Um, there is one deck though that I didn't mention that I think can do the mid range thing, maybe better. I'm not. I'm not sure about this, but really, it revolves around the card Valakut, the Molten Pinnacle. Um, what do you think of those style of like that is another four color deck, but I'm just doing the like you know. So I keep the Ragavan thing. Or I, maybe they keep Ragavan. I don't know, but they keep Ren. They keep Teferi, and then they're just like, all right, I'm gonna like bring delight. And, and Valakut you, or maybe you do like the creativity flavor, and you're like, okay, I'm gonna like bring to light Titan and Valakut you, or maybe it's just green, red, Titan. I, I don't know what the Valakut deck is, but I feel like that particular card can be pretty good. Like, yes, they have Spreading Seas, yes, they have Beseju. If you're on your own Rens, you can just pick back up your Valakut. Um, so maybe that's like doing the mid-range more, thoughts? That's actually a great point that you bring up, because this past weekend we actually have one of the weirdest decks to top the, to top like the challenge in a, in a minute, and that is Jund Scapeshift. Well. And I'm saying I'm saying Jund because we're splashing four copies of Hiretsugu Consume Soul. And and you know that I'm I'm down for the Sugu, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, oh you need to do <laughs> All you need to do is you need to show me four copies of Hidetsuyu Consume Soul, and you know that I am game. Uh, I don't know about this specific list, because we actually have 62 cards. I don't know how I feel about that. I also don't know how I feel about Kura the Boundless Sky in the main deck. Uh, that's three green green for a legendary dragon spirit. That's a 4-4 flying death touch, and when it dies, you choose one. You search a library for up to three land cards. You reveal them and put them into your hand. Or you create an XX Green Spirit creature token where X is the number of lands you control. So this one I'm not so sure about. But <laughs> you cut it, you're but. at 61. I'm I'm already closer. <laughs> <laughs> but we actually have some rents, some dryads, some prime times, some Steves. And then the sweet, sweet tech here is Wish. Wish, this is a card from the DD set. And for 2 and a red, it's a sorcery that says you may play a card you own from outside the game this turn. Note, and I played against the deck uh, on, on, uh, on a video that I recorded for YouTube the other day, and I didn't actually read this part. I was playing uh, Grixis Control, and my opponent wished, and I'm like, I can counter whatever they get. Like, what's the big deal? Well, they got a Valakut, and they put it into play. <laughs> I didn't win that game. <laughs> so... Um, they can play lands of the of of the sideboard, so that's that's important to know. Um, also, they can get stuff like cavernous souls, which I think it's super super cute. Uh, but but yeah, so I was very surprised by this. But what you're saying right now makes so much sense, and Hidetsu Consume Soul kind of clears all of these decks' glaring weaknesses, right? Which is you're getting run over in the early game. You cannot in a million years be the Death Shadow. Uh, like, DRC is a big, big problem when it just attacks you in the air. All of them. Hidetsugu covers all of them. So, 
this is actually very, very interesting to me. And I hadn't really thought about playing... Uh, I'm going to start calling it HCA, okay, Evan? Like, I, I'm going to do this for you, okay? So, HCA uh, works really, really well in this specific context, which I hadn't thought of before. But now that I looked at it over the weekend, it makes so much sense because it just feels like it's exactly what what would fix all of this deck's weaknesses. Super cool, super cool. Uh, I'm, I'm very, very interested in, in trying out this, this deck list, actually. But yeah, so both angles are very, very good. Like what you're saying about the, um, the, the Bring to Light version. Uh, also, by the way, uh, Alpine Moon is the hate of choice for the four-color deck. Hiretsugu consumes Alpine Moons as well. Just, just, throwing, just throwing that out there. Uh, but but yeah, also playing playing this in in, in a bring to light shell um, makes makes a lot of sense as well. The only thing about BTL that is could be a little bit weird is the fact that they're playing a bunch of copies of Teferi, and BTL plus Teferi uh, uh, BTL against Teferi is uh, probably not where you want to be. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a little awkward. Um, but I mean, I I, I do think that that strategy might be good i worry that you you play something like this and i'm like can can that deck actually beat uh blue red murktide right because you like if you're trying to win a weekend thing you're like you know those are the arguably i would say the decks i'm worried to try to beat is four color blue red murktide hammer time right and it's really hard to check all those boxes, right? We were talking about Dredge. It's like, well, does Dredge beat Hammer? It, it beats Blue Red Merktide and it beats Four Color. Does it beat Hammer though? Probably not, right? So it's it's tough. I, I think Living End is a similar thing. Probably beats Hammer, might beat Four Color. Does it beat Blue Red Merktide? Probably not. Um, so, I mean, that, that that's not a bad thing. That's like the rock, paper, scissors of the format. Maybe we've got some Valakut piles that can get in there. I, I will say, looking at this deck list, um, maybe you can do like the Ragavan thing. It's just like Ragavan into Renin Six is very good. Like I, I don't know if they have enough removal to to make that work, but it sounds pretty good to me. Mm-hmm. How can I interest you in something like Hardened Scales, a deck that didn't do particularly well this this past weekend, but it did do really, really well? the previous weekend and we are talking about hammer being one of the best set decks in the format right and hammer really struggles against the solitude well hardened scales is a lot more resilient against targeted removal once you have your ravager and once you have your ocelith things can really uh, <laughs> can really get out of hand fairly quickly there so I, I feel like if, if I... Assuming I could play both decks really well, I would much rather be playing Hardened Scales against Four Color than I would be playing Hammer, I think. Would you agree with this? That's interesting. I actually don't know. Because I feel like the way that you're beating Four Color with either deck is you're getting under them. So I think Hammer does a better job getting under four color control than scales does scales grinds better but i think that's where four color wants to be anyway so i'm i'm a little bit hesitant to say yeah i pick scales and be okay in the grind because i i think four color is still going to outgrind you are you sure about that like i'm looking at particularly i'm looking at patchwork automaton like this car that is very very um 
innocuous in, in its face. But um, I'm looking at that word too, and I'm looking at Arkham Ravager putting a ton of counters on, on this bad boy. And all of a sudden, opponent solitudes don't look so well. Their prismatic endings look just straight up embarrassing. Um, Renin 6 doesn't do anything. You can still solitude it. Like, you pay two mana solitude, right? Yeah, yeah. But then you're you're basically... You're playing the game on your own terms, though. Sure, sure. Right? Because your your opponent can basically never, ever cast a spell because they have to always be on the lookout for that solitude. And then if they don't do anything, you just don't do anything either, right? So you're just basically forcing them to hold up that solitude and that two mana for the entire game until, sure, on turn eight, when they're just going to have Omnath plus thing, plus thing, plus thing. Sure, yeah, the, the, they're, they're going to... The mana is not going to be an issue anymore at that point. But if you can figure out a way to end the game before that... And again, if you're putting Solitude's your thing, they also need to have the Prismatic Ending for the Ocelith. Because if we're putting all the counters over there, like we can just do this all over again. And I think that that's, that's the real messed up part about, about the Ocelith, uh, for, for real. Like the fact that every single thread that you ever play needs to be answered. And if... If you ever get to pop a hangerback walker, oof, you're, yeah. you're, you're going to town there. I mean, it is true. Um, I still think both Force of Vigor and uh, March are going to be really, really nice against Hammer or Scales. Like, the fact that March is going to instant speed, like, hit that Manland, hit that Saga, hit that Ozolith, hit Ravager, whatever. Um, and they're still also both on you know, like getting hit by the Besejus, like, I don't know, maybe, maybe scale is a little bit better there. I'm not sure. Uh, how do we, how do we feel about something like blue-white, uh, Evan? Like, we, we've been seeing Waffle be on a tear, an absolute tear lately. He top-aided the, um, the challenge on Saturday. He actually won the one on Sunday, and he's been doing so with this, uh, deck list with, uh, Snapcaster Mages. Snapcaster is back on blue-white, and I think it has to do a lot with the printing of March and how good March ended up being. So, how do you how do you like your matchup with with blue-white against Four Color? How do you feel like those two line up? I don't love it. Um, I I've really loved this list, and against the the majority of the format, I felt really good with this list. I think March made a lot of matchups a lot stronger. You were talking about. Hammer and and um, Hardened Scales, and, and those are two matchups that I think since the since Luris got banned and we got March have improved dramatically. Like both of those matchups just feel so much better. It, you know, against against the rest of the format, I'm feeling really strong with Blue White these days. It feels it feels great. Four color, not so much though. It's it's still the it it feels like we're fighting on similar axes and they're just doing it a lot better and faster <laughs> they're you know the they they're presenting problems faster than we are you know the first problem that blue white can really present in a match is to fairy whereas the first one they can present is ren um or ragavan actually i should say right right it's ragavan and ren they've got multiple threats multiple issues they can present before we can even start looking like an issue you know the, the matchup's not impossible 
you know, I get, uh, when I've been streaming the deck, I get a lot of people being like, well, what are you ever going to do against four color? Like, it's impossible. You're never going to beat them. But like, you can beat the matchup, you know, a well-timed counter spell, well-placed, if you do resolve a Teferi or whatever. Um, if you're, you know, if you can get your, your interactive pieces to line up properly, if they don't have the Ren and Six on the play or the Ragavan on the play, you getting the play is actually a pretty big deal. Um, the person getting the play, getting your getting your counter spells online uh, ahead of something like Ren and Six and whatnot is a really big deal. It, it's doable, but it it's probably it's probably the matchup I least want to see in the format right now. You know, I feel like uh, a lot of other areas, you know, some other problematic spots, um, especially with the way that the deck has evolved. Um, we have like figured out ways to 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 beat those, you know. For example, um, Tron. Now that we're not playing Spreading Seas in this build or Field of Ruin, you're not really disrupting their mana. We don't have Besage or anything. It can be kind of tricky uh, when you know they're just like, "Here's Tron, here's Ulamog." So Wafo put Summary Dismissal on the board, and all of a sudden that matchup it's fine. Like <laughs> I've been, you know consistently winning that matchup and that card helps it i don't i you know it's kind of the whole discussion of this podcast i i don't know what that thing is that we can do for this deck you know i don't know what that um what what that angle is but i don't know it's not great the matchup doesn't feel great it's not impossible but it doesn't feel great your best option in that deck has got to be just Emrakul the Promised End, right? I guess, I guess, but, like, they're also playing it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and that's why, you know, some people are talking about it, it, it feels so bad, but some people are bringing Summary Dismissal in in that matchup, too, because it gets Emrakul and the and the turn trigger, or the, the like, dream one where they go for Yorion exiling a million things, and then you counter the ability of Yorion <laughs> returning all the permanents. <laughs> I've heard some pretty good scenarios with that. But then it's like, you're bringing in your four mana counterspell against the deck that has four Ragavans in it? Like, good luck. <laughs> you know, like, it, I don't know. It, 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 it is a tough matchup. It is a tough matchup. Real talk, what about, I mean, like, okay, this this may sound off the wall, but is Tails End cracked against four color? Counter Somnath, counters Ren, Teferi, yeah, everything but Fury and and Solitude. Ha! Huh. So like it, it counters Yorion, but it also counters the Yorion trigger. Yep. As well as Ragavan, Ren, all the other stuff. Yeah, so you you can get tricky and let the Yorion resolve and just assume your your opponent is going to play into it, and then they exile nothing, and you're dealing with a four or five now <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that you could have easily countered. Yeah. Yeah, but what are they ever going to do that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're going to flicker their stuff. I don't know how right. often they're going to like, oh, I'm going to flicker my Teferi now. But like, you're, you're still going to lose to Teferi with Tails Right, the Teferi's already in play. You're not countering it anyways. But it seems like a, a reasonable card against them. Hmm. Yeah, that's definitely that's definitely cool. I was like, well, you know, the one thing it doesn't counter is like you know the elementals and whatnot, but it does counter their ETB triggers, so it actually does counter the Fury ETB triggers still if they go to do that to like kill your Teferi or something. That is interesting. Yeah. Maybe I don't know. I don't know. It, it, my my brain wanna says no, that's garbage, but it, it might not be garbage. It, it might be reasonable. Like maybe if like a uh, you know. 
one of the decks that can proactively use Tails End too could be an interesting choice. You know, Spike was doing like the Lotus Field thing. I don't know if that has any any legs, but that's a deck that was just maining four of them. Maybe maybe that could be a control build that feels interesting into that deck. You know. Yeah, also it's a control deck that kind of goes over the top of what the, the four colors doing, right? Like Does it? Just... <laughs> Does anything go over the top of four color? <laughs> you're just jamming four Teferi heroes and then like a bunch of solitudes and stuff. So like you just answer their stuff and then like you just... If they answer your Teferi hero, like you just have more. And you have, you're playing four cryptics. I feel like it, it does go over the top. Maybe. maybe. Maybe I'm just idolizing the matchup a little bit more. I just... I really want the... <laughs> I really want the, the Lotus Field deck to be good, but there's a couple of those, right? Like, uh, like Bant Reclamation kind of looks that way, where you're like, could this go over the top? And then, and then you, and then you're like, oh, here's my Reclamation, and they besage it, and you lose. But you know, yeah, yeah, but like this deck feels you don't have you don't have to ever tap out for that, right? Like, sure, they can besage your Blood Sun whatever <laughs> like you're up a car and up a land no but you can besage you lotus field once blood sun is oh yeah <laughs> yes you, yeah but but and, and and this is the thing like sure you can do that but you have three mana like they're never gonna not like you're always gonna have something to do you know what i'm saying so like blood sun is gonna be a ramp or you can just not play the blood suns and now your your things have hexproof like if if we're talking about tail send, right? Like you just tail send the trigger, and yeah. now you. I mean so. that 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 is like the I'm main decking tails end deck, and I I I, eh, I don't know, but yeah, maybe we're just going a little bit too hard into trying to beat four color and just like ignoring the rest of the format completely. Well, I mean, okay, I will say of every deck we've talked about, that that Jun Scapeshift deck was the only one where I was like, hmm, but. But what about the rest of the format? Which means maybe it beats four color. Eh? Maybe? I don't know that it does, but it might. (laughs) Who knows? I kind of want to talk a little bit about something like... That's a little bit closer. And those are the Cascade decks. I feel like the Cascade decks, particularly Rhinos, seems very, very interesting to me against four color. Uh, It feels like, sure, if they go turn three to fairy and you don't have the answer ggs right <laughs> but that's kind of what what your deck is signing up for anyway right um, but if that's not the case again their their deck is not playing any sweepers right so one rhino is like if you get to rhinos on turn two or on turn three sorry that is going to be a guaranteed two for one. Like the best thing they can do is like prismatic ending one and like march the other one, and then like fury. I guess like they can fury one of your tokens if they two for one themselves, and then you rhino second on the following turn. And now what? You know what I'm saying? I don't know. It it, it feels interesting. And again, I'm I'm just trying to look at all of these different decks and trying to envision how how a matchup would would work out. And these are the decks that are really calling my attention in terms of. Huh, maybe maybe there there's something here. Cascade in general seems like it could be in a good spot. Um Rhinos or Living End, you know, you already mentioned Living End, I think is similar against them where they're gonna have a pretty hard time stopping it if they don't have exactly Teferi. And, you know, 
it is still an 80 card deck like they're not always going to have to ferry and maybe you're on the play maybe you have your gemstone caverns maybe you had force of negation i don't know there, there there's a, a lot of things that you can have to fight it um and maybe they don't beat your four fours some of the lists do play the verdict um that's not always enough either but i don't know rhinos actually does seem a little bit better to me than living end does against the rest of the field as well so i think living end is a probably better into hammer than rhinos but i think rhinos can beat hammer with your four sideboard force of vigor right um and then the other thing is i think rhinos is better into murktide right so you, you you're coming prepared you've got your four dead gones for your ragavan I, I i don't know that i would say like rhinos is favored against blue red murktide but i think the matchup is reasonably close like you can bounce their murktides as well um, and it's not as if your four fours are meaningless. The four four, I mean, it just lines up poorly against Murktide specifically, but it just lines up great against their entire deck. So, <laughs> you know, two four fours race a DRC pretty pretty well. <laughs> um, but yeah, it just feels like there's there's gonna be. I, I'm kind of expecting a shakeup. You know what I'm saying? That like right now we, we have like the four color deck, and and again we expect the four color deck to remain there, but it feels like some of the other decks could. I don't know if you know change dramatically in 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 a direction, but I'm I'm trying to see if there's anything that any of the other decks can do in order to gain some some advantage here and there. Um, for example, something like Murktide. Uh, Evan, you, you you have a lot of experience with that with that matchup with that deck, and we already talked about the matchup a little bit. We said it was close, but are there any cards that you could play that could make things things better? Like Dispute, for example, you can just go up all the way up to four disputes or something like that. Um, are there are there any angles that we can cover that you can that you can potentially uh, use to exploit the the four color deck? Dispute is is one of the angles I've been, you know, playing around with trying to play more copies of that card. It's funny you you mentioned that one. I mean, you know, it catches a lot of important stuff, but it it does miss in other areas. Um, I mean that that's kind of the conundrum here, though, right? It it's hard to attack a deck like this. Like the end of the day, it's it's hard to attack a, a deck that is just a value pile. I will say, dispute specifically actually has been pretty decent. You know it. It's good at fighting over expressives and Teferi and Omnath. Like, that that card's been pretty solid for me. But um, it, the, I, end of the day, I, I think there's just only so much you can do without drastically changing your strategy to to make like large effective changes in a matchup that is just a pile of good cards. You know, every card is just individually very strong, and and there's just only so much you can do while maintaining the deck you are playing to change the matchup all that much. How about something like Dress Down, Torpor Orb, that sort of effect? Torpor Orb's decent, and it's nice that that, that one doesn't impact you. Um, you know, you're not playing Solitudes, you're not playing... It really, it, it really doesn't affect your deck all that much. Um... You know, Dress Down, the deck's already playing Dress Down. Um, I think that one's been fine um, in that matchup. It, it doesn't feel as good as it is in other matchups. Um, like, that card's 
felt insane against like hammer and whatnot um where like it feels fine there um you know it sucks when you have to like dress down a pitched solitude where it's like all right yeah you save your thing but they still get the solitude depending on what the game looks like and um you know it's it's really not the perfect answer there Uh, torpor's the same issue you know (laughs) kind of the kind of the same issue there too um where it's like yeah but then the, the bodies left over can still be problematic endurance has been a real problem card for me in that matchup as well they just have like a bunch of endurances and you know dispute doesn't help against that and it's either eating your ragamans or eating your drcs or turning off your potential to get merc tied like it's just tough man the 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 deck's just really tough to attack and it's good at attacking that's the thing it's it's good at attacking other strategies and tough to attack itself it feels without without again like i said i think the best way to attack a strategy like this is is picking a strategy that is potentially good against it and unexpected, not making a couple of changes in your sideboard, you know? There there are a couple good, like, decent cards against them, right? Like, we, yeah. we, we've, we've covered them. Like, Emrakul of Promise and Turok. Uh, I like Gothic Teague. I haven't, I haven't actually had a chance to really try that one out. Uh, but I, in theory... Right, like maybe Valakut's okay. These are all like known things, you know. Like it's all, it's all like people are already playing the cards that are that help in this matchup because it has been a prevalent matchup for a while now. You know, it's not like it's all of a sudden a huge matchup. Even with Luris around, it was still a really popular deck. Um, you know, I I think that like we were saying at the beginning of this, one of those big factors is just how expensive the deck really is, um, and it. It just the way it's been shifting. It just kind of keeps getting more expensive. Um, but that just means potentially this this week will be interesting. <laughs> you know, it'll be interesting to see exactly uh, exactly how prominent a deck like this will be when, when the cost isn't a factor, and uh, how decks adjust to that. You know, if you're if we're going to be jumping into leagues and seeing it very present, maybe some people will figure out some creative options. Is there any other way of like effectively getting under them? Like the card that comes to mind is like grief ephemerate stuff. Like I know that that <laughs> as a whole has kind of been viewed as like a trash strategy, but like you put a body into play right away, maybe you clear their hand. No. What about a Phyrexian Crusader? <laughs> what about a turn two Phyrexian Crusader? How do they ever kill that card? How do they ever... That that goes under him, right? Goes under him and is just, like, impossible to ever kill. You, you, you wow. play an Infect with four main deck Crusader? I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. How do they ever kill that card? Can't Fury, can't Solitude, can't Teferi bounce it. Could be good. That is actually kind of ridiculous. I hadn't thought about Phyrexian Crusader in literally years. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> might, might be good. That's very interesting. That's very very interesting. Yeah, I don't know. There, there, there's. That's what I'm saying. Like, there's, there's some stuff that might like come out of the woodwork. You know, there's maybe maybe there's some stuff people aren't thinking about that that might line up well. But I, I think it's more about figuring out an entire strategy, an entire deck that's good against it more than you know. You only can tweak existing strategies so much to be good against a pile of just powerful cards. Yeah, thinking about it, in fact. <laughs> <laughs> Phyrexian Crusader looks kind of sick right now. <laughs> All right, let's hypothetical, hypothetical. Okay, let's say that we're playing in a PTQ this weekend. 
Uh, let's say that each one of us is an absolute master of every single deck in the format. Like we can play every single deck in the format at 105% of its capabilities, okay? What would you guys play in an event under those circumstances? That isn't four color? <laughs> four color. Maybe it could be four color, but like how would you build it? You know what I'm saying? I feel like the answer is supposed to be four color. What else would it be? <laughs> like what? Else? Honestly, if you're playing every deck at perfect play, it's four color. Like it's gotta be. Look, the the way that I like to play Magic, I rarely want to play the best deck, often to my detriment. Right, <laughs> and I, I feel like over time I've gotten spikier. Like I'm more willing to play like close to the best decks. And every once in a while, like, if it's totally, like, all right, this thing's totally cracked, it's totally busted, you just play the best deck. And I feel, like, I, I don't want to be one of those doomsayers that's like, what about Fort Clare Uriah? It's just ruining the format. It's insane. But I feel like over the course of this podcast, where we're, we're really breaking down this deck in great detail, it's like, man, it really feels like you should just play that. But, I mean, having said that, I don't want to. I'm, like, thinking about it, I'm like, ooh, Infect, ooh, Dredge, ooh. Rhinos. Like, I mean, oh, man, Rhinos has less of an ooh than the other two because it's like an established thing. But like, Rhinos, I actually think is a pretty reasonable call. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I the, the, the spike answer is almost certainly just four color. All right. Since you're not willing to play along with me, now you're done. <laughs> <laughs> you're not going to play four color. You have to play something else. Go. <laughs> so it can't be four color. And we're taking out, we're trying to take out our own biases right now in, in, in just like raw, what do we think is the best choice? I, I mean, I still might just say Murktide. I, I think, I think Blue Red Murktide is a super strong choice and played really well is really good. When you are making, you know, all those micro decisions, properly and, and like that deck is really good so if, i think if it had to be something that wasn't four color that's probably the deck i'd play yeah and i honestly think it's probably kind of close to four color too like i i don't know i i i'm i'm a big believer in that deck i think that deck is very good it's like blue white is the deck that i'm very comfortable with and that's why i really enjoyed that one Murktide's the deck I want, like, I aspire to be good with, kind of thing. You know, Murktide's the one that, like, I've played a lot, but I, I know I have a lot of room to grow with that deck, and I think that deck is, like, here's the big boy deck that I want to do, <laughs> that I'm practicing and want to do, get better with, and all that. For me, personally, I am very, very intrigued about what you said about uh, Scapeshift, uh, Spider. Like, uh, you actually got me thinking about the whole BTL scapeshift having access to valky seems like actually a fantastic way to get to get around like to to outgrind them just outgrind them with literally with their own deck um scapeshift in like valakut seem very very well positioned against them you don't really care too much about stuff like ren because you have your own and your own reds are so much better than your opponents so all of a sudden like Scapeshift is looking really, really good. I think if I really wanted to... Again, I'm assuming that the metagame is going to be 25% for color or something ridiculous. I'm really interested, in, I think, in jamming the full playset of Mystical Disputes in the sideboard, though. 
I feel like obviously being able to answer uh, the theory on the stack is going to be uh, is going to be absolutely just extremely important, particularly on the draw. So uh, I, I would go for something like that. But but bring to light really speaks to me right now after our, after our conversation. Hey, just a quick question before I give you my answer: Are you playing that over something like Veil vale of Summer? Uh, probably, because I don't think Veil vale of Summer would be particularly good against a four color deck. Even though it would be absolutely fantastic and significantly better against something like Shadow or against, probably against even against Murktide. It's actually it's kind of interesting against Murktide, right? I think you prefer Dispute. I think because Dispute fights over the counter, they're not going to have like a ton of mana, and the Dispute also fights over the counter spell. It doesn't draw you a card. But it also counters Murktide. Like, slowing down their clock seems yeah. insanely relevant. <laughs> yeah. Like, ridiculously important. And that's like a big slowdown. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so. yeah. 100%. 100%. So, yeah, I'm kind of feeling like you, you would just play them over over the Veil. Although, I, I don't I don't have a list in front of me, but, you know, I think I would... At least I would play the fourth dispute over the second Veil, you know what I'm saying? Uh, maybe it's, it's going to be like four disputes, one veil or something. That's really interesting. I've been thinking about a lot of decks before going into this. I've been playing a lot of decks. I would say before the podcast, I was really looking at Yawgmoth, which I think is still a fine choice. But I feel like after our discussion, I'm I'm really thinking about Rhinos. Rhinos already plays for uh, dispute in the sideboard. And it yep. has really pretty decently well-rounded matchups otherwise, right? Like... Um, you can beat Hammer, you can beat Merktide. Um, that just seems super reasonable. Yeah, Rhinos is sounds sounds pretty good actually. Uh, it it just feels like it's one of those decks that since the beginning of MH two we've been we, we've been seeing, and like since uh, Charles Agent became a thing, and. I remember like that very first week everybody going nuts over rhinos and like rhinos like top aiding everything or whatever. And it's just stayed up until today. <laughs> like it feels like even to this day, like rhinos like if if you ever look at all of the every single challenge for the past since MH2 was released, I would bet money that Rhinos is the one that has the most appearance, like the most consistent appearance throughout its throughout the entire time. It's up there. It's probably that or Hammer. There's been a lot of Hammer. Yeah, but but Hammer has been like this. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, uh, people can't really see me, but I'm just like I'm making like a spike little uh, up and down little little shape. Yeah, exactly. Like Hammer has been very very up and down, and it it feels like there were certain weekends where Hammer is just like completely disappeared rhinos feels like it's just always been there like i i remember maybe like one week where rhinos was just like nowhere to be found and then like the next week people forgot about it and it it, it, it there is again <laughs> it's over there in, in that top eight right there so um it feels like it's consistently one of the if not the most uh, consistent performer in modern since uh, since mh2 became became legal yeah, no, that's that's it's true. Um, Rhinos is a is a weird deck, man. Like I, I I played it not that long ago on my stream, and I'd been kind of trying out some of the new lands in it. You know, the Besages, the Odawaras, and they'd been pretty good for me off stream. And I was like, all right, all right. You know, people want to see some Rhinos. I'll play some Rhinos. And I was I was I mean you you'd be proud of me, friend. I, I was playing twenty six lands. Oof. 
And wow, I repeatedly kept two landers with cascade a cascader in my hand and could not draw the third land. And by the end of the stream, I was I was ready to to throw something. I mean, it's like I, I don't even think I, I usually get that tilted, but it was like like that deck really needs to get to to three man. And I'm like outers, I'm like whole, clutching my head. I'm like, do I need to play more lands? Am I just gonna like go to thirty? Like let's let's play thirty. Like <laughs> <laughs> now you know how I feel. <laughs> Maybe we can play Ursa Saga in in Rhinos and just fix the issue. <laughs> Cracked it. See, I was like, I'm at twenty six already. Let's just add some gemstone caverns and we're up to like 29. Like how bad can it be? Like there's there's two flex slots in the deck after the 26. Like you know what they are? More lands. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Valakut. What's the Valakut? Yeah, I need I need to make whatever. Rhinos a Valakut deck because my making it a creativity deck wasn't enough. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm talking about like the, the dual land. Like that's a, the, that shuffles your hand back. Valakut. Oh, Valakut Awakening. Yeah. Awakening, thank you. I was thinking exploration. I was like, no, that's a different card. <laughs> so you you with the real suggestion. I'm I'm not even joking. Like I did make rhinos a creativity deck. I did it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean search for tomorrow you can still play. So Yeah. Huh? Yeah, you you I, I have a nice clout screenshot on Twitter with me pointing a creativity at two rhinos to get them to be two archons. It's yeah, exactly. too good. You need more. <laughs> wow. We're, we're getting to that part of the podcast, huh? Where we talk about Rhino's creativity. <laughs> it's probably time to wrap it up. That's how you know. <laughs> That's how you know. All right, dudes. Uh, where can we find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitch. Twitch.tv slash Everos. And on Twitter, EverosTTV. How's the shit posting going, dude? I've been—I I was slacking. I'm slacking. I haven't. Oh, it's only—it's only when like funny moments come up on stream, and that only happens every once in a while. So, you know. So you're saying we shouldn't watch your stream because there's there are no funny moments? Is that what no, you're no, no, <laughs> just not shit postable ones. Oh man! What he's telling you is to Q snipe him and dumpster him so he takes those screenshots. <laughs> Yes, give me opportunities. <laughs> okay. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you, you can find me streaming on Twitch at Spiderspace and with my own shit posts and the occasional tournament results at Spiderspace MTG. And you can find me mostly on YouTube these days. Uh, I actually made a brand new YouTube video playing Amulet in Legacy. Yes, that happened. Uh, it was something <laughs> did it go well <laughs> it, it was something no it um, did not so there's there's this card in legacy that's called wasteland <laughs> there is i had somebody uh i had somebody i, I can't remember if it was during my thing i think it was during spider stream and they were like honestly they need to just ban wasteland out of legacy already and it was like <laughs> no <laughs> no they do not <laughs> thank you very much i did live the dream once though i went turn one exploration into land amulet Turn to Primeval Titan of a Bounce Land. Did you did you lose still? No, no, I actually won that one. Oh, that's I good. Won that one. <laughs> yeah, that's, it, it was good. Wait, isn't that just modern? Like, I'm already getting turn to Titan in modern. Yeah, that is just modern. <laughs> yeah. 
um, yeah, it was it was really funny. It, it really showcased why exploration will never ever be printed in modern. Um, it was it, at least it, it served that purpose. The league that I played. Anyway, you can find that in uh, YouTube.com/slash/fpablushmtg. That is F-P-A-W-L-U-S-Z-M-T-G. And you can find me on Twitch, not very often, at fpablush, and on Patreon and Twitter at fpablushmtg as well. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed this episode. We will be back in a couple of weeks. We'll see you there. Take care. Bye-bye.